Do you want bonus audio? I think what we've done all day, by the way, guys, is yes and, yes and, yes and, and now we're just, why? <laughs> a cow's life begins, like many of us, as an egg. <clears throat> Squeezed out seemingly at random by the gentle grazer, the cow seems unbothered by its brown offspring. I, I had the murder wall, I was trying to figure it out, on my kitchen wall, with names, post-its, string, and the log. Is that brother prick? I don't know how to do things with my mind. You've got to find a way to do this. I know it's inside you. You're a silver bow. Come give it to me, buddy boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, okay. And as he approaches um, me, I'd like to twist his nipples. I can tell you for definite exactly where the inspiration for Nancy's came from. Go on. Careful, just swallow it all. <laughs> like a good and, boy. And if, he, if he does get so sliced much. by the glass, he'll just try and start it, start out. it out. Like. Yeah. Well, join the Royal Britannia Patreon. Available now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Roll Britannia Parlay. I'm Tom and I play a character called Kef Rostein in Roll Britannia. In this series, I'm going to be talking to other podcasters, celebrities and members of the TTRPG community to help along the way with my crewmates from Roll Britannia. Each episode will have a special guest who could be a lifelong player, a fellow podcaster, a movie maker or someone who has helped to shape Dungeons & Dragons into the game that we love today. In this episode... We managed to grab a chat with a show that has actually transcended from podcasting into something very funny and exciting. After three successful seasons of their podcast, their show was redesigned with collaboration from E1 and Wizards of the Coast and made the leap into actual television. They are, of course, Encounter Party. So, joining me now from Royal Britannia is James, the Dungeon Master. I'm busy smashing up the studio, I'm sorry. (laughs) Excellent. Alex, who plays Derek Normalbeard, the dwarf. Hello. Chip, who plays Jeff Silverbow, the human. Hello. Beautifully creepy. And Paul, who plays Malrus, <laughs> the least the human answer. Hello. <laughs> How's it all going, everybody? 
Not too bad. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I Just thought we were all going to talk over each other. <laughs> <I'm out>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Yeah. I'm really yes. enjoying enjoy myself. Everyone's been really nice. <laughs> Everyone's been really nice. <laughs> Everybody's very cold now. in here. <laughs> so. No, I've really enjoyed it. I've been uh, I've been busy uh, binge watching Encounter Pie. Yeah, oh, me yeah. too. Yeah. Yes, I've, I've not had a chance to see any of it yet, and I'm quite jealous. Boo, get out. Oh. <laughs> 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 so James actually took the reins Just on this sack one, Alex. Yeah. As he was very excited indeed to chat to Encounter Party, but mainly because he likes talking to fellow Dungeon Masters. So we let him loose on them. So did you enjoy the chat, James? I did. I really enjoyed the chat. It was uh, it was it was quite exciting to meet some like TV celebrities. Mm. Actual, Actual celebrities very... people. They yeah. were really, really, and, and I, we say this as a lot, but they were really nice. Yeah. They were. It did seem. Well, they, they, might they were really nice. I had a very um, long chat with Ned uh, on Discord uh, prior to the interview, and he is a very, very nice chap. And I'm very Paul was meant to be there, but I Paul didn't. was poorly sick. Yeah. He seemed like Aww. a very genuine but passionate individual, and I oh, really God, liked yeah. that. Oh, God. And they clearly really loved d d as well. Yeah. Oh, I love really what they do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They really think about uh, everything, was... don't they? They really think about yeah. all the little nuances and details. Yeah, <laughs> I think, uh, think hearing about their vision and the like, the big master plan was really, uh, really exciting. So, yeah, I can't from wait lounge to, to, to stage season. TV show, isn't it? <laughs> we we should. Do, do we need a big master plan? Yes, we should. I've we got should a master plan. I thought that was the scribblings on Paul's <laughs> wall. <laughs> the ones connected by bits of string. <laughs> Either that or I'm in trouble because I'm on there. Got a whiteboard. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's nothing on it though. Uh, should should I just write big blank. master plan? <laughs> <laughs> Put master plan at the top of that whiteboard and we're halfway there. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the yeah. start, isn't it? Not Having a master plan. What's the plan? Step one, show. start podcast. Step, step two, two, question, question mark, mark, question mark, question mark. Step three, <laughs> step success. Step three, TV show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, step three, uh, the TV global TV domination. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's time now to push the play button and enjoy James chatting all things D&D with the guys from Encounter Park. Let us listen, Tom. That's not the play Let's button. Let's go! Uh, thank you, everyone, for, for joining today for this very special parlay episode uh, where I'm joined by two of the amazing creators and stars of the show, Encounter Party. So, um, you know, I, I think it'd be worth introducing. Uh, we have Brian David Judkins and Ned Donovan. How are we both? Good morning. Well, morning for us. Yeah, good morning. <laughs> it's uh, great to be here. Doing pretty well. That's a that's the most energetic intro we've had yet. Yes. I always do energetic intros. <laughs> we appreciate you for that. Thank you so much. So, I mean, it's it's a bit of an honor for me to to sort of meet you guys. Not quite in three D, um, still kind of on screen, but like interactive, which is cool because I've been uh, I've been sort of binging your show, um, which has been awesome. <laughs> I've can really ask, enjoyed it. Can I ask how far you've gotten? Uh, well, I've just got sent the, uh, the the next set of episodes. So, uh, oh, well, then, yeah. then uh, you shoot us a text after this recording when you watch a little more. <laughs> yeah, I will do. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. Um, I really enjoyed the first set of episodes that uh, I got to watch. Um, I think for me, it was it was really cool to see. I mean, a, t a totally different take again on, you know, a D&D campaign, totally different to how I play, but also so different from what people are used to seeing with like Crit Roll and Dimension 20 and stuff. I think the energy, the vibe and everything for me was really, really different. 
So, I mean, I guess let's start with the first question. I mean, this is open to both of you. How did it feel really to transition into that kind of TV game rather than podcasting? What's, you know, how, how was that for you? I, we, you know, we get this question every interview and um, the answer is there's very little that's different. Um, we, this was always the aim. Um, we, when, when Ned and I first made the original podcast, what people didn't know at the time was that was secretly a proof of concept that we could use to pitch to studios. We just, despite all of our skills and our access to resources, we just didn't have anywhere near the sort of funding to create a show. And in fact, um, Wizards of the Coast and Entertainment One bumped our uh, production cost opportunities by like two to three times what we were initially specking. So um, while while the production itself was bigger and having a bunch of people on set and being physically present as opposed to just you know uh, present in audio, um, that was super exciting to see that vision realized. But as far as the sort of like the, the the sort of taste and feel and vibe it's still in counterparty and that that was exciting to us when we got to editing and knew that but ned talks all the time about the fact that because you got cameras on you um you you don't get to check out like oh you don't it get to, i'm so tired yeah you don't you don't get to uh you don't get to um take a break um when it's not your turn and just sort of pass off um you have to be reacting it's it's very strange because you have to be you have to be present so the camera can capture you while at the same time you need to take a back seat so other people can have their moment. So I would say that is like the distinct difference. But as far as the vibe for people who've been with us for the full journey, Encounter Party has never lost its identity whatsoever. Well, and we have people who found us through the TV show who are now listening to the podcast between weeks. And we keep getting these messages be like, how is it the same? Like, how does it vibe all the same? Like we really worked hard to perfect a filming and performance style that was true in the podcast as well to really like lock in for me. I mean, Brian and I talk about it a lot, but when we set out to make the show in 2000, December, 2018 was the first phone call we had about it. So exactly five years ago. Um, and that was when Brian pitched me the first idea of what we iterated into the idea for this TV show that we then went and made as a podcast. And um, when we were casting the show, we did a, a, a casting call across the United States and um, through our own networks as professional actors and through friends and things like that. We just put out a big call and we we interviewed a ton of people and auditioned a ton of people. And after we found our cast, one of the things we said to them is like, look, the goal of this show is that this podcast does well enough that we can pitch it to television and make a television show. And if you're willing to get on that journey with us, like it's going to take a minute. Like that's that's a long <laughs> process. And the best feeling of this whole show is that we all got on set and I think it was Landry Fleming who punched me in the arm and said, "Nailed it." <laughs> like, <laughs> the very first thing we pitched her worked and that i yeah. think is the feeling that that i sit with the most is like we had an idea and we were two guys making a show in a living room and to and said the goal of this show in a living room is to get us to television and getting on set and then getting it filmed and then getting into post for that and then actually airing that show five weeks ago that to me is the feeling that i'm i'm holding on to the most that like the idea successfully went from two guys on a phone call to a television show five years later 
And and I, I I feel yeah we're we're the show creators and working together with Ned has has been an absolute joy. But also, we had a lot of faith from our castmates and people who stuck with us and were able to um, you know accept compensation where they could and donate the time where we could. And that's just sort of you know that's that's sort of the narrative on how these things go is you gotta you gotta commit up front. Yeah. Um, and we were really happy that that almost the entire original cast was able to come with us. Um, David's been with us minus one season. And um, and shout out real quick to Eddie Cooper who booked Broadway and became yeah. unavailable to us. We, we, would not, <laughs> we would not have been able to preserve, I think, this quality and this feel and maintain our identity if we lost these people along the way. Yeah, uh, it, it's really amazing. Like. That, that you've gone on that journey and, and in five years as well so you know maybe there's hope for my little show yet you know maybe we'll be, I, uh, maybe we'll admit, be on the schedule with you <laughs> i will admit i really like your show and i've oh, been a person you. who's listened to your show for a minute <laughs> so you know so it's much. actually really great when i got outreached to uh outreached is that the word reached out to uh yeah, when i was reached out go. to to be like oh i love roll britannia <laughs> <laughs> that's great for me thank you so much um I've, yeah, one of the things I wanted to ask you, because I watched it and I was like, you know, I, I wondered. So in the early shots of uh, the season, you see the cast um, in the in the sort of prequel episode bit. You see your cast all coming into that studio and, and it looks really impressive. The set's, are, the set's incredible. Um, is that the first time they saw it? Is that the first time you guys saw it or was there sort of, yeah. you know, what was that process? Brian got I, I to got see there, it. I got there about a week before everyone else um, to do production. And then showrunner John Platt came up with the idea to film all that because he's done a bunch of TV beforehand. So, yeah, I don't know what that was like for the actors, but I had been there for a week already. Yeah, I mean, it was it was cool when when. So one of the things we talk about a lot on these podcasts is that when Brian and I were pitching the show and then through all of pre-production as a cast member, I'm not allowed to know anything. I produce <laughs> a lot of content. I've made movies. I've made music. I've made podcasts. I've made a ton of stuff. And I've never produced a thing where I don't actually know what's happening. And that was even true. We arrived in Los Angeles to film the show and we were like, hey, let's head over to set. And showrunner John Platt was like, no, no, you're not allowed on set. And I was like, oh. And then we got there day one and they ushered us into a room and there were like walls of people blocking windows and doors. And they like ushered us into a side room where we all put on our costumes. And then they were like, all right, we're going to take you to set one at a time in alphabetical order by by character name. And we were like, oh, so, yeah, that was that was everything about this show is very minute one. And we did that on purpose because we've always wanted our show to feel for the audience like it feels for us. And um, so seeing the set for the first time is the audience seeing the set for the first time, right? Um, we didn't do a traditional session zero. We built all our characters with Brian in a silo where I would come in with ideas of a character and then we would build out mechanics and then Brian would go away and work with other actors and then come back and say, hey, Ned, this thing in your backstory, what if it was this? And I'd say, why? And he'd say, I can't tell you. And I'd be like, okay. And it was just like Brian weaving together the tale. So also the opening moment of episode one is the first moment any of us met any of the other characters, that we knew anyone's name, that we knew anyone's art besides getting on set. Like we didn't know anything. And I, I joke about it a lot, but Brian then didn't tell us the opening of the show, which is in the the log line. So I don't think it's a, 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 a 
a spoiler, there's a vision. The opening moment is a role initiative. They see something that they didn't, that they couldn't have expected. But Brian told me we were starting on a boat. So, <laughs> so if you watch my face in the opening moment of this show, like my jaw goes slack and I do one of the worst acting jobs of all time <laughs> because I'm legitimately like, what is happening here? Because nothing in the show is preordained for the cast so that the reactions of the audience mirror that of the table. And that was a very specific design and production choice that Brian and I made many, many years ago. Wow. That's I mean that's cool. I love the I love the realism of that with the with the, with the cast coming in. It's it, the action the reactions just feel so genuine. Um, and Brian, I guess you know that that sort of process of being the DM and having all these secrets from everyone. Um, I definitely relate to that because there are things that the guys just don't know. It's so good. But I guess one of the, I, I've kind of wanted to get a bit of a feel from you, and this is totally like me uh, trying to you know give you some advice here is. As the DM for not just now a podcast, but in a live show, how do you balance the creativity and you know the gameplay of D and D, but also make sure that you know everyone doesn't end up just going and doing shopping for you know four hours at a time? You know, how, how do you balance the storytelling aspects of it with actually playing D and D? So I, I think that just comes down to understanding what the show is about and having a team we've been together with for so long. Um, we're all on board on what the point of Encounter Party is. We are not an open-ended campaign. Um, we are, you know, we are story-focused. Um, and because we got the team, because we got the team that we got, um, when we were casting everyone, we were like, look, we, we need expert players, right? We need people who really know this game inside and out. But we also need people with improvisation experience or really accomplished performers um, because that's going to save us the most time. When we decided we were trying to make a show to get it down to an hour, you know, time is money and we have to stay on target and we have to stay focused. So um, I like to think that they listen to me. <laughs> I like to I like <laughs> to hope that they take cues. But because we all know the show that we're making, um, everyone, everyone stays on target. And it's my job to to create a very clear goal. Um, you know, we're not we're not trying to keep it on rails. There are, there are moments that have happened every season where I do need to step away and do some rewrites and and refocus. But um, it's important for people to understand that Dungeons and Dragons is a game that we all love and enjoy. Um, but in Counterparty, is not a show about people playing Dungeons and Dragons. It is a fantasy fiction show that uses Dungeons and Dragons to tell the story. So we know that by the end of, they ordered 20 episodes. We ended up with 22, but they ordered 20 episodes. So my job is to write a campaign that can fit within 20 episodes. Um, and so everyone being on target and everyone being that focused, um, it also helps because of the way that um, we have six players now instead of five, which is uh not easy i've never run a party with six people before ever in my life um so because everyone has these stories that are kind of interweaving it also helps because everyone's individual focus time is a little bit shorter and so they have to maximize that effort so when it's your time to shine or it's your time to contribute you don't get the time to just sort of explore the world you're 
diving into your particular story, um, which helps kind of keep all that much tighter. Yeah, I like that. Um, I guess one of the things that I really liked um, and I think was a really nice um, plot technique or just a DMing technique even was really early on. Uh, you took um, you, you took uh, a player. You you took someone aside, and you had this. Uh, I think it might have been you, Ned. It you was this, me. Yeah, Ned. You took someone aside, and you had this full like scene. Now I have two questions about it. Yeah. Um, one was that to- was that genuinely totally separate from everyone else in the game, so they genuinely had no idea. Yeah. And two, like, what what was the the concept behind like? How did you sort of think through that kind of idea of doing something because i guess in a in a traditional D game you know that would be conversations that happen outside of the game during the weeks or days or you know however long it is between those games you'd have those conversations but what was the inspiration for actually you know just saying well hold on i'm going to leave everyone to one side and say you know we need to have this moment here that is going to you know let let the cat among the pigeons you know uh, or the kenku among the um <laughs> and um you know, and I, I just I really loved that as a concept. Um, I know what, Ned how did that plays, come about? I know Ned plays a Kenku, but I there's something you just said that I always think I I just always think about Flick and Kenku in general as kookaburra mm. <laughs> because I love those birds. Mm. Um, but uh, um, so we used to do that for the podcast too. We would send people out of the recording area so we could have private stuff on mic and things like that too i am a giant fan of asymmetric gameplay and i think in order to keep up like with what ned said earlier about the fact that we're really trying to make sure that the audience has the exact same experience the players are having um to make them feel tethered in the same way um you're gonna get a more genuine performance out of people if they don't know and one of the things about the show that we're trying to avoid is a thing that inherently happens in Dungeons and Dragons more than anything else is people um, people negotiate the game, they strategize the game, and then they play the game. Um, and that is that is the biggest plague of DMs ever. Of mm-hmm. the the you know the one hour to figure out how to walk through the door when the answer is just open the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just open the door and roll for traps. Like um, so, being able to do that does several things. One, it creates um a, a wider space it gets us away from the table which is something that you just don't do at home when we're making the show we're trying to think about how many things can we turn on their heads how many spaces can we explore how many things can we heighten how can we take sort of uh, natural given aspects of the game and do something different with it um it also creates private moments as you'll see throughout the show as characters who have private moments quite literally away from other people the actual space itself the credit to that goes to john platt who's the showrunner um he came to us with this idea about what if we had this high top away from everybody where we could do private moments um and it worked out really well um it was a complete coincidence it ended up being ned we weren't trying to do any sort of like private show creator thing um (laughs) it just happened to be that his character was best um for that moment um but, uh, you know, I'm going to make a weird shout out to Roll20. <laughs> um, but they they are the only people I, I found who they have a system where you can, like, just turn off everyone else's hearing so that you can only speak to particular players and stuff like that. And that type of private information is great for player performance. But it's also really, really good because now the audience 
has information that the players don't have. So now people who are fans of, say, Flick in the first episode or are feeling connected to him, now they get to own that fandom a little bit more. Or people who are kind of completely turned off by that character might start accepting them because they're aware of private information and stuff like that too. So it's a great writing technique, and it's also something that if you're writing a fiction show, you just put that person in a scene, you know what I mean? But when you're doing a live capture, it was a really clever way to get a lot of cool writing tricks um, by just literally sending them to a different part of the studio. Yeah, and um, then uh, another thing that we really try to focus on there is we have a, um, what am I trying to say here? So we try to make a show that we always say feels like the most heightened version of the game you know and love, right? And so when we were in pre-production and we were coming up with all the ideas, obviously, like, we work in theater, we work in TV, we work in film, like, we, we were talking to people who do this. So the first questions come up, like, oh, are we going to reenact scenes? Will there be costumes, right? Will we add, like, swords and do a little sword fight? And the answer is like, no, because that's not what you do generally at home when you play D&D. But what do you do? Well, often you pass private notes, right? The DM will hand a note out. But that doesn't really work well on television unless we like reposition a camera and look over their shoulder and superimpose a text. So how do we do a private note, but on a TV version? We move to a new room, right? Like that was sort of the way we built the show is everything in our show is achievable at home. Every puzzle that Brian designed, every every like thing we are doing is something you could achieve at your home table. It's just that we're doing the heightened TV version of it. And that was very intentional. We wanted to give people ideas for their home games. We wanted to, to explore this idea, but we didn't want to add, you know, massive amounts of animation or like we didn't want to do things that weren't the game you know. Because our show has always been about connecting with gamers, yes, but also something we're very proud of is during the run of our first season of the podcast, we did a, an audience survey, like an unofficial audience survey. And half of the respondents had never played D&D or had never consumed actual play. They had found us through like we had a bunch of fantasy novelists that found us that were telling their fans and things like that. And then right now I'm the community manager for the show. I run the social media. I handle all the like direct messages and emails. And from at least what I can tell with the information I have access to, around 30 to 40% of our current viewers of the TV show are in that exact same boat. And that was a very intentional thing. We want to make the show accessible to the audience in a way that if they don't know the game or they have a preconceived notion of the game, they just get to experience a story and learn the game in real time. We have this YouTuber who's doing these wonderful reactions to our shows. She's awesome. Shout out to Katie Shocks. Go check out Katie Shocks' YouTube. Uh, she's this Irish content creator. She's awesome. And she says in her first video, uh, I'm a big fan of Kari Payton. That's how I found the show. I'm going to react to the show. And she said, I've never played D&D. I don't know anything about D&D. Let's go. And she gets really into the story. And then I was watching her reaction to the third episode last night. And someone says something and she goes, we'll do a perception check. Like she's learning the <laughs> game in real time because of the way the information is presented. And that only works if you're presenting the game the way people know it. And so that was important to us. And that's why that room achieves such a useful goal, because it does something so many home games do, but in a very specific television way. Nice. Yeah. I mean, 
having i think getting new people into the game is is what this is all about for us as well like you know it's uh we we see a lot of people at the shows we go to and we get feedback from our you know similar sort of thing it's just people who've never played before who in enjoy and for me i think it's really important that we get new people in so you know i think a quick a, a quick question for you then is you know in terms of where um encounter party has been and where it's going um how has from your point of view um you know the show been how how has it um, impacted the the dnd community for you um and how would you like to see it um go forward i think right now we're still um we're still i think on the cusp of how much of an impact we're going to have um the the podcast was really really great but at the same time we were using it as a proof of concept so a lot of that was um you know the we were experimenting in some things you'd never know because they uh, all the experiments worked <laughs> so but we were we were at least from my end i was testing things and format structures and episode structures and stuff to sort of see what are we going to be able to do with the tv show um and so a lot of that also was us i hate i use the word manipulation it's it can sound so evil but um we were we were trying to manipulate the market and educate the market to sort of this way of possibly doing things um so on on one hand we're getting a lot of great feedback um the community has been very receptive in the beginning but at the same time it's a little strange because we were so intentionally um sort of behind a curtain as we were developing because we wanted to come out with we, yeah. we wanted people's <laughs> first impression to be that opening line uh of what's going on so this I'm, I'm sure ned can he's a little bit more in touch with the community right now in in his role there's sort of like two answers to that question for me uh maybe even three so i i I'm sort of connected in a bunch of different spaces. I'm a huge consumer of actual play content, D&D content. Um, uh, I am obviously a producer in the space and I'm pretty well uh, uh, integrated with some of the more indie creators in this community. And um, I kind of check in with them a lot. And I think there's a lot of different answers. At the, at the consumer level, I think what's been really exciting is watching people come to the game, come to actual play. Um, we have a, a Discord server where we have people saying, hey, I'm caught up on the podcast and the TV show. What else should I check out? And we have people in there being like, oh, this show you might like. It's a little different than Encounter Party. You get a new flavor, right? Like we are, we're, we're very excited to be like a, a welcomer and a connector of people into the space. From a creator standpoint, right? People like you and, and us, people in the, uh, the tabletop community who are making things. A lot of people are, cautiously excited at the idea of a television program of this kind because if we can crack the code there we're showing that the indie community really does have that value that many companies have been searching for at the at the celebrity level uh right like yes Kari payton is a massive celebrity in the tv film world but the six of us from the original podcast like you know us from the podcast uh, my brother-in-law did recognize david lee huin our cast member from his one episode on blue bloods which i found very <laughs> fun um but he texted me and he said is that that one guy from blue bloods I was like, it is but what a crazy thing to call um but so so we are we have people who are really excited. Um, we were a SAG show, right? Like we are a, a, a union television program. 
um, which is different from a YouTube series. It's different from a podcast. Like that is a different thing. And if our show can, can crack that code, that opportunity gets created for future programs across the board, both in D&D and in other gaming systems. And then uh, uh, thinking about like at the, at the, um, at kind of a third level here, like what the impact we're seeing in the D&D community kind of in, in gamers is honestly a lot of people haven't yet caught on to what it is we're doing because in their heads, all actual play is the same. And one of the reasons we don't call ourselves an actual play, we call ourselves a television show, is because we're, we're making something different than what you know and love. But if you look at the comments of people who haven't checked out the show but are judging it from a trailer or judging it based on previous experiences they've had with actual play, they ask, they're asking like, why isn't it on YouTube? And the answer is like, because it's a TV show, not a YouTube channel. Like, why isn't it on Twitch? Because it's a TV show, not a live stream, <laughs> right? Like they are asking to put it in the box of what they have known in the past. And slowly we're seeing people in the comments of these videos be like, hey, I finally checked it out. This thing is awesome. Like, I do want to point out the most negative review I have received publicly. And people love to message me things they don't like about the show before they watch it. And then they like to message me once they've watched it. And the most negative comment we've received on the show publicly to me in a direct message was, I prefer a grittier actual play. Like, that's not a negative comment. No. <laughs> the, the reviews are so overwhelmingly positive from all corners. Every time we get someone in who is asking, why isn't it on YouTube? And I say like, hey, it's not, it's on Plex, here's the link. They go and watch it and they excitedly live text me about it. Like <laughs> it is so cool how quickly people come on board once they start watching. And it's just that right now we're in this mode of one, we want more episodes on demand so people can get more flavor when they finally get into the show. But two, we're just getting the word out and we're getting the word out that it's different than an actual play you've known. You know, we say this a lot and, and I've had someone accuse me of it being lip service, but I genuinely mean it. Like Brian and I never set out to make a show that people would talk about in terms of better or worse. That's not interesting. Like that's subjective. We can't do anything about it. I don't care, but we always want to make a show that feels new different and like you've never seen it before if we can get you to say that it is even if you say i didn't like it but man was that unique we nailed it and that is what i think people haven't quite caught on to yet in the specific DD community where they're saturated with this kind of content where they know what they're getting with this kind of content and the assumption is they're getting more of that same thing and they're not and as we slowly proliferate through that community, we're seeing more and more people saying like, wow, this is new. Wow, this is different. Wow, I've got ideas for my own show. And that to me is the impact that I've always wanted. I would say we are having more of an immediate impact on content creators who are excited at the potential for what this show could do for that market. And frankly, non-D&D people who are discovering an entirely new way of telling stories. And the D&D community, I would actually say, has been the slowest to kind of like get on board, which in my mind is because there's a lot of content that feels like it should be like our show. So they feel like they've already seen it. And it's just, uh, you know, we're getting there. Oh, it's really interesting that you say, you know, that um, the D&D community has been probably the slowest adopters of it because actually... You know, I, it's something that I've really enjoyed watching, to be honest. I'm so um, glad to hear that. I can't <laughs> wait until it is available on demand yeah, in the UK. 
Yeah, being able to stream it uh, properly without the uh, without the uh, time pressure. Man, a decision I have no comment on, but uh, hopefully it happens soon. <laughs> so um, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but uh, I had uh, a question that I like to ask people. Uh, two two questions for you, I guess. Is uh, one firstly is um, what is your as as D&D aficionados as you are what is your go-to character what's your favorite or the the character build that you go for um at, at a moment's notice if you had to join a game right now and you and you went for your, your favorite build what what's what's the build that's a terrible question to ask we too <laughs> I, I actually do have an answer Brad. oh you do have a go-to go on man. yeah and go and it, it's funny because this is a I have to phrase this question in a way that doesn't do anything to the original podcast if people decide to listen to it. Um, my character in the original pro- podcast, Brevin Ravel, is my go-to character in almost every D&D campaign. He's a, he's a human fighter. Uh, he's awesome. Uh, Battlemaster build. And I love that. I can walk into any campaign. I know that that build back, front, and center. I play it forever. Um through encounter party, through one shots we've done and through other things, I started really playing other builds in earnest, mostly because I was frankly playing so much D&D through the show. I got really sick of that build because we were just so ingrained in it for so long. Um, I have a character right now. Uh, I've been in a home game for eight years with a couple friends of Brian's and mine, uh, Hopper Crane, Bill Heydrich. Shout out to them. Uh, good people. And Hopper has been my longest DM and about and I had this character in Hopper's campaign. And um, after we filmed the first or recorded the first season of Encounter Party, the podcast, I went to Hopper and I was like, I'm so sick of this build. <laughs> like I just <laughs> played it into the ground. What else can I do? And we came up with the idea. Um, I wanted to make a fighter sorcerer multi-class that made green flame blade and booming blade awesome because i find them to be useless cantrips 96 percent of the time <laughs> and um so we built into the backstory of the character that he had been a sorcerer whose magic had been taken away and over the last five years we've been hinting at magic coming back to him and i've been building a multi-class character sheet that they party doesn't know about and so i've had people be like you're level six why is your fighter so not good and i'm like i don't know i guess i'm rolling poorly and then literally uh two nights ago uh uh the the veil got ripped off and they're like oh how long have you been planning this and we were like since pre-pandemic oh wow (laughs) so that's my current favorite character he's a a sorcerer fighter multi-class specifically designed to make green flame blade awesome love it Absolutely love it. <laughs> I'm a forever GM, so I don't. I rarely ever get to play a character class. Um, if I'm jumping into a game, I'm one of those guys that's like, "What is everyone else playing?" I'm just gonna fill in in support. Um, that usually ends up being fighters. Uh, but as of last year, uh, Ned said I'm not allowed to play fighters anymore. Can't play fighters anymore. <laughs> so start playing other stuff. Uh, so, but I, I, I am a giant fan of wild magic mechanics, um, because I think they are a strangely, a controlled way to do sort of chaotic stuff. Um, and I think wild magic is an amazing mechanic to force people to be okay with not being unstoppable powerhouses. <laughs> like as a party, you have to acknowledge that 
bad things are going to happen or, you know, random things are going to happen. And therefore you can't control everything all the time. Um, so wild magic barbarian is very fun for me and wild magic sorcerer, I would say nice. are, are too, but you have, you, you got to make sure that you're like with a group of people that yeah. are okay with that. So my, uh, I'm just my, jumping in. I'm supporting <laughs> my second quick home game story now is I I'm DMing a rhyme of the frost maiden run with former coworkers of mine from the tech company yeah. I used to work for. And we have a wild magic barbarian and we're using an expanded table that has like 300 options. Oh, I can um, talk about. And, uh, 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 he uh he got turned into a cat at the start of a combat and he was just a cat and he had to run around trying not to die as a cat um and then this cat successfully rolled the final hp hit on a claw slash to kill the big bad guy and i've nice. never been more angry as a dm i was like no, no no you're a cat and he was like yeah yeah but i take an attack and he hit and uh it does two damage and the thing had one hp and i'm still mad about it DMing is great, but if you're ever thinking about DMing listeners, you must accept that it, your big bosses will die in the most infuriating way. <laughs> Actually, that leads me that leads me right nicely on to uh, probably a, a final question for you. Although yeah. I will say, if you are if you do want to take your uh, wild magic to another level, I do have a D ten thousand wild magic table that I can Ooh, send over. Please yes, send that. Yeah. Please immediately send it's, that. It's uh, it's about to make a, it's about to make an appearance in my in the podcast, so I'm very excited. Um, I'm not going to take credit for it. I didn't. I didn't invent it, but it, I did uh, discover it on Reddit. So um, I will. Uh, I'll. I'll send it your way. <laughs> Please do. Um, so uh, you gave some nice advice there for for someone who's a D, if someone wants to be a DM. The question I would normally finish a, finish a, a chat with someone. Um, it would be, you know, for someone who is new to being a DM or someone who's new to being a player, what advice would you give them um, to a give it a go and b well, you know, same thing, but just get in get into D&D because me as a as a essentially forever DM having never played it before we started the podcast and jumping straight into being DM um I regret all those years I wasn't playing so mm. um I think I guess yeah what's what would your advice be my my advice is kind of the same fold twice um there's I think I actually said it earlier in this interview is that um people tend to problem solve before they act. And that is the nature of the game. Um, because I think people are nervous about committing and having it not work out. And so you guys spend a lot of time discussing and sort of um, um, risk managing what your options are before you actually commit to something. And the truth about the game is good things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. The, the nature of, of tabletop play and working with a team and story building the, the the goal of the game is not try and find a way where bad things don't happen. It is let things that are going to happen happen and then strategize what to do from that and figure out how to integrate that in the story. So my advice for everyone is talk less, do more. Um, because you will find it much more engaging and your stories, those things you do where you go to your friends or you go to the cafeteria or your coworkers and you talk about, hey, wasn't that moment crazy? You can only get those moments after you do something. You can't tell a story about the fact that we all sat around and talked about what could be behind that door. Open the door. Um, and so I would say do more. And then as a DM, um, if you're if you're thinking about DMing for the first time, get a book. Um, the, the, the campaigns 
that are pre-generated and are available to purchase by Wizards of the Coast. They're really great. And they're going to give you a lot of material. You can run those things for like two years if you want to. Um, and that that is the best way to educate you. Even if you just get like the starter guide, the starter guide adventure is still fun. That's, that's going to awesome. be the best. Dragon of Ice Peak is awesome. Yeah, that's, that is really the best way for you to, um, it does all the prep for you. Everything's ready to go. You just kind of got to read ahead and figure out how to, how to, you know, manage that. Um, but as a DM, as far as table engagement, um, force your players to do more. And the best way to do that is to make them roll dice as much as possible. So <laughs> don't be afraid of arbitrary dice rolls. A great advice I say, especially because so many young people are playing now, that younger players and teenage players tend to be more chaotic at the table just by their nature. And so when I remember sometimes running a game where we'd have a young guy who was sort of really enthusiastic and sort of aggressive and dominating the table a little bit, is I would just occasionally make him roll a d20 and then he'd roll. And it doesn't matter what it was. If it was good, I'd be like, okay, you're good. And then if it was bad, I was like, he's like, what happened? I'm like, you'll find out later. And then I'll just take the note. And that's a great way to get, to get people to now they're engaged. Now they're, now they're, now they're hungry for the reaction, not hungry for the initiation. Awesome. For me, it's about uh, Dungeons and Dragons is at its core about telling stories with your friends. That is what the game is. And every, it's not about winning. It's not about losing. It's not about showing off. It is about telling a story that your friends are going to go home and talk about. I talk about that cat moment. That's crazy. And that <laughs> happened because of a random thing. And then a guy made a choice. Like, awesome. And so I always say people get really intimidated by the concept of the game. And I think what they don't know they're intimidated by is the concept of their imagination. Like the game is not that scary, but imaginations are crazy. <laughs> and so like the real essence of playing D&D &D is like be a kid, like visualize the moment and then do it and have fun and like actualize your thoughts. And like, that's something we're talked out of as adults. And that's something that gets moved away from in our uh, uh, older lives as we pay taxes and, you know, all the fun stuff, rent, mortgage, whatever. And that's where I find when I talk to people who are like, man, I always wanted to get into D&D, &D, but now I'm an adult. Like it's all <laughs> like, and it's what they, what they're saying is I don't think I have time to learn the game, but what they actually mean when you dive into it is like, well, I don't think like that anymore. And the answer is like, why not? Uh, it's the same reason why I, I, I do a lot of like acting classes for colleges and high schools and things like that. And, um, I always say you should go play role-playing games. Like they are some of the best way to, to up your skills, especially for theater, like the ability to react in real time, the ability to take information and give it back, like the ability to think on your feet. Those are all skill sets that, that role-playing games truly cultivate. And uh, uh, so, so when I talk to people and I say like, if you're looking to get into it, don't try to get into a game. Get excited to tell stories with your friends. The game is designed to give you guardrails for the stories you create. And that to me is what gets people into D&D more than anything else. Is like, you can learn the rules as you go, as long as you have a basic understanding of a D20 and roll high, roll low. Like beyond that, you can kind of wing it. And that that's my biggest advice is like, get excited to tell stories with your friends in this unique way. And if you check out Encounter Party, I hope that that makes you think like, oh, 
the mechanics can sort of like melt into the background and the story can come to the fore. Like telling stories with your friends is what the game is for. Some people love the war game aspect and let's go. That is a more rule-based mechanic system. But if at your core, you just want to dive into the game, it's all about imagination. There is a really great interview um, by Wizards of the Coast um, with Chris Perkins and Todd Kendrick, who are, um, Chris Perkins is one of the head story designer um, um, architects for Wizards of the Coast, and Todd works in the media um, side of the uh, company. Um, Todd interviews Chris to talk about DMing, and then just naturally in the course of the interview, Todd talks about being a player, and it's a fantastic, it's like a half hour interview that does a great job of talking about problems mm. that the table will experience and how to work through negative table dynamic. So I would go seek awesome. that out. Um, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, look, I'm, uh, I'm conscious time is getting on. So I just want to say a massive thank you so much for um, taking the time in your very early morning um, to actually speak to me. And uh, yeah, it's been fascinating. And uh, thank you so much for sharing some of the insights to the show and your personal insights about gaming. It's been, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to speak to you. So uh, say thank you very much, Brian and Ned. It's been awesome. And I really look forward to getting stuck into the, uh, the next set of episodes well, of Encounter thank, Party. Thanks for having us. And I know you're here to talk about our show, but I genuinely mean it. Roll Britannia rules. And I'm glad to be on this podcast. <laughs> Thank Thanks you so for much. reaching across the pond. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a brilliant interview. I mean, my favourite part was when they spoke about how, like, even after your turn is done, you can't just sit back and switch off. Yes. <laughs> there is no yes, hiding. Guys, which is yeah. something that I hadn't thought about <laughs> when we go and do our video. Oh, have you really? Oh. Yeah. I've been practicing reactions in the mirror and everything. So, you know, you've got to, yeah. you've got to really nail that surprise, sparkle surprise, yeah. and all that kind Look, of thing. This like, is my shock <gasps> face. Even when you're not acting, you're always acting. Yeah. When someone else says a line, you need to act. It's not That's about acting; it it's about reacting. Acting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to bring but this it's picture of me to use the screensaver. <laughs> it's true, though, because obviously, uh, as an audio medium. You know, you can sort of come off mic slightly, but when you're in a studio, obviously you're you're always on because you never know yeah. when they're going to use that footage of you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, people will notice if you leave the table to go and put pizzas in the oven. Yeah, <laughs> stop being hungry then. Yeah. <laughs> That's impossible. <laughs> we'll have people to put pizzas in the oven for us. We'll have a That's pizza a, guy. That's what I made it right. Yeah. Someone else brought the pizza. They won't bring you a pizza. They, they didn't bring you the oven. They didn't bring that up in the interview with you, James, did they? That they had a pizza guy just off off camera at all stages. No, they had the, an uh, oven guy. I keep telling guy. you. Oh, sorry, yes. He doesn't bring you pizza. Bloopers? He brings you an oven. Yeah. <laughs> the bits we That's did. That's the bit we cut out. The off stage oven. They just wheel in. <laughs> what the Wallace and Gromit well, oven? It's just rolled yeah, yeah. in. It's on legs. <laughs> I think that the, I mean, clomp, 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 the thing is, is that we're all getting a little bit giddy about the idea of, of that level of, of funny success and things like that. But they've made it almost realistic as they sort of mentioned oh, in, in the interview is that they they went from a living room conversation, kind of like, I don't know, when James accosts you in the back of a car and goes, do you want to do you want to do a and d show? Maybe it's a sort of very humble beginnings of just mates yeah. having a conversation. Hmm never seen that before and then uh suddenly a f three years later hmm getting closer to that time frame they're um they're starting to look at making see tv shows and it's their their dream is a reality and they get to do like i said they, they have they got a little bit lucky but they work really, really hard for it to get to that stage of 
you know, their realization where they're walking on set and someone's designed it and they've got a showrunner who's going, No, you can't go on, you can't go in yet. And he's like, But this is partly my show. Yeah, no, you can't no, go I'm in yet. But you're still That's, a player and yeah, you're not allowed to find out. There's secrets you're not allowed to know. It's just so cool. What, and what I what I found really fascinating exciting. about it is is that um obviously it was nice to hear that they consider it relatively similar as a process, making a yeah. TV show adventure versus making it as just a podcast um but also like you say that kind of that that they've kept that kind of spirit of oh no you can't go into the studio yet because you're a player yeah that needs to we need to you know capture you seeing it for the first time um that was really cool and the fact that obviously um their whole intent and their ethos behind the show was that they weren't gonna even though it was on tv and it was being filmed, they weren't going to do anything that you couldn't necessarily do in a home game. So they weren't going to really do smart, recreations yeah. of stuff or they weren't going to do animation, like a whole host of animation. Um, so yeah, I thought that was really, really nice to see. And and it shows that obviously like they're, one, they really love D&D and two, oh, yeah. they, they are knowledgeable enough as creators to kind of have that um, understanding that if you divorce it from what the ttrpg game is then people won't necessarily be able to follow along or learn the skills like they did i thought that was but it's cool. also an enjoyment level that they seem to sort of because they he's obviously what there's a player um and so uh, sorry yeah yeah and so we've got that perspective of almost like an audience member and so from when they were saying that they they were creating the show um for tv they wanted to make sure it had got that same vibe as the the podcast version um, because I think that it's really that that's a really important element that they you display that this is how it's always been. We're just now on camera um, because you know at the end of the day you create the show in a similar way that we've got created a show that people enjoy listening to um, on 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 there through your ears, and so it's nice to be able to then have that transition straight through onto TV. I think my favourite part of it all, um, having watched all 11 episodes of it that I've seen so far. I think there's 22 in total. Oof. Um, is, uh, I like the, the sort of side bits that they take each other away on. Um, yeah. I don't know how far you've got, James, um, but I know Brian and Ned had their side parts that I think you've seen in the mm-hmm. kitchen. That's not a kitchen. <laughs> Uh, There's no one. Says a kitchen. Because no he's just uh, on the screen. He's on the main stage with Peter. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the characters uh, further down the line end up taking themselves away. Oh, uh, really? To have that's little cool. side bits. And I thought that's that, that was quite a, a different thing. I mean, I, I don't, mm. we don't do that, do we, really? We well, have. We do and we don't. I mean, we have done. We did uh, the whole headphones like off. Yeah. yeah, I think I we, we used to bring do that, that back. No, I, I doesn't work in the same room though. Yeah. Be ears. The thing, yeah. the thing for me, is send like, everybody they, away. <laughs> yeah, they they mention it in there. Is actually, you know, most D and D games have an element of that because normally what happens is, you know, you have your you have your game and then during the week or in the weeks between your game, um, you're messaging your DM. The, yeah. You know, you're having conversations about stuff happening outside of that. The DM might say, okay, well you know, while this is going on, you know, this is going to have happened and we'll have a little conversation about what's going on. So really, you know, it was like you said, really, it was yeah. the, what they're doing is just creating those moments that everyone has in D- in games of D&D and actually we still do. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> you don't know about this, Paul. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. 
yeah, I mean, people have those moments in their games of D&D, but it's done in a way that is consumable for a TV show, which I think is incredibly clever. Yeah. It's really clever. Um, it is really clever. And it's a really difficult balance to strike, you know, um, keeping that asymmetric gameplay whilst also making it, like you say, visual and accessible to an audience um, who, you know, one, like it works on both fronts because it works for people who are just getting into it and don't really know what D&D is, like that... Um, lady that they said that was doing the live commentary um that content creator that was doing the live commentary um or or people who are familiar with it and they can recognize oh that is exactly the same as when my dm pulled me out the room and was like just so you know you've got a bomb in your bag you know kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but they can do a lot of Hang parallels what? what's happening with Derek? To 100 really quick. <laughs> that, that did get serious ovens pizzas bomb okay yeah <laughs> Um, that can happen. I definitely drew a lot of parallels <laughs> yeah. from where they were saying it was similar to our show. You can't disappear off on lengthy side quests, looking around mm. and things, exploring, because it is ultimately a show. It has to get going at a certain trajectory all the time, which I personally really, really like. Mm. I agree. We have a lot... We we have a lot less, um, well, sorry, a lot more freedom, I think, from James than they have because obviously they've got to get from point A to point B, but within, say, 10, 20, 11 episodes or 22 episodes. Mm. Whereas we know we've got to get from point A to point B eventually. And so James is <laughs> a little bit more lax on, yeah, they're, they're enjoying this side quest. If it goes on a little longer, it goes on a little longer. They're having fun. It hasn't got to be, you, you know, you've only got one episode to solve the entire murder now and you've just mm. found the body kind of thing. It's like yeah. they, they've got to, they've got to push further, further and faster than we do. So I think if we do go to a, well, you know, if we make that transition, hopefully very soon, that is something we're going to have to be very aware of. That, yeah. It, hmm. it's, it's a unique challenge, especially when, you know, like you say, we've got more freedom in the sense that, you know, we're relatively on our own schedule and on our own time. And when you've got 20 people of 20 members of crew standing around you and you've rented a studio space and you've got money literally, you know, passing through your fingers every minute, you have to be a lot sharper. Um, so it's a really interesting challenge, um, one that I am definitely excited to take on um, when it comes to, mm. to us doing that kind of thing. As soon as I know the, the studio line, costs, yeah. you you imagine how fast Jeff's going to be doing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'll well, be opening every to, door instantly. Well, that brings me on to a really interesting point that I thought was great advice for D and D, but also for life, which is the whole talk less, do more. Mm, yeah, imagine that. That's going to be something that's rolling out into our show very suddenly. It's nice to know that other people do it too. It's clearly a common theme, and it's not just us as blithering idiots that take hours it's to going go through to stop, a door. I tell you that it's, James is going to get a big crackdown on less blithering idiocy. Yeah. There's going to be a lot less discussing every possible outcome. A lot more going. A lot more going. Oh gosh, should we talk about this? Oh no, an owlbear. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely Bob's started introducing that at the end. Of- Bob's going to get yeah. real busy <laughs> at the end of that last arc. I think that we just recorded. You definitely started introducing a few elements more from the listen backs. So you can hear sort of like this is now happening. Uh, oh, but we're just chatting. Nope, this is happening. Okay. Um, right, we'll deal with that, and then we'll just make we'll make a move. And we'll decide something. Good, <laughs> excellent. It's working. <laughs> do the thing and deal with the consequences Bobby if you don't do the thing there'll be other consequences noise. yep we're on our way <laughs> <laughs>
Bob starts rustling. Oh no! Run away! Yep, yeah, uh, that one. I, I love the idea of James adding in an element like a warning flashing light on Bob. Like he's getting to a point where he's about to release. And yeah, you've left it too long and now he's the releasing it. The first letter it. of Bob illuminates. <laughs> or the second letter of Bob illuminates. Oh, just that would rattles. be sick. Uh, option B. <laughs> I have to say, I think um, for me that, I mean, you, you sort of sort of covered it a little bit there, Chip, right at the beginning. Was It's just that um, that concept that... You know, we we started we started very much in a case of shall we make a D and D show. I think they they went kind of whole hog and started with, so we've got a successful D and D TV show. Let's work back for, backwards yeah. from there and where do we start? Yeah, yeah. and the fact that, that they works. cast their show as well is yeah. really interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean they, they 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 sort of started from the end point, and I think that's uh, it's it's what I like to call the Bill Bailey uh, way of structuring jokes is uh, is how they've done that. He likes to start with a laugh and work backwards and say, you know, what would what would cause that exact amount of mirth? And then work backwards from there. You know, they've started with a successful D&D show and worked backwards from there. Yeah. So um, I think there's a lesson to be learned there, guys. I think, Absolutely. Uh, we, yeah. we should just go ahead and say, right, we have a successful D&D TV show. Uh, what do we need to do? Can we just cut out the middle and just go, we have like four million quid and then, you know, there we <laughs> yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Well, and work backwards from there. <laughs> That's what we have to do. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. I think the next step back would be the TV show, the successful TV show, so I might have just skipped a stage. I think another thing that did surprise me that Ned actually said that he was a fan of the show. Yeah, that yes. blew my mind. That yeah. was cool. That was and cool. So when, when, I was, when I was initially talking to him to set up the interview, when he said that, I was just like, you've heard of us. <laughs> you know who yeah. we are. Having heard of us. You know who I am. How? How? <laughs> because we're awesome. That's how. <laughs> yeah, it always blows my mind when people have heard of us. Oh, yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Well, thank you, chaps, for being here. Thank you ever so much to Brian and Ned from Encounter Party for taking the time to talk to the, the wonderful James. And also, thank you so, so much for just for listening and for all of the support every single day and every single week. So look out for the next episode of Parlay. But if you simply can't well, wait to hear more this. from the crew of Robert Tanya, you just jump in then, someone just jump in. No, I just said, so, come on, Tom, you can get this, because we had trouble with the podcatchers last time. I'm just going to say podcatchers. <laughs> Look out for the next episode of Parlay. Uh, sorry, you, you got me off now. You did this every sorry, time. Mate. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> come on, Tom, you've got this. Yeah, yeah. The, mo- the motivational oh, support line that you. throws him off completely. <laughs> so look out for the next episode of Parlay. But if you simply can't wait to hear more from the crew of Royal Britannia, then you can hear us on all good podcatchers out there where we have new episodes coming out every... Oh, cocking it up every time. <laughs> no, even look, I'm just going to shut you guys down. <laughs> just minimise that window. So look out for the next episode of Parlay. But if you simply can't wait to hear more from the crew of Royal Britannia, then you can find us on all good podcatchers out there where we have new episodes coming out every single Wednesday. There are over 200 episodes in the series so far, so there's plenty for you to catch. Oh my fucking God. There are over 200 nope. episodes in the series so far, so there's plenty for you to listen to. Not only that, but you can check out our Patreon, our merch store, and even drop into our very active Discord server. All the links are in the episode description. So it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from all of them. You're goodbye. Bye. Excellent. Bye. And thank you very much for listening to Robert and your Parlay. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Do you want bonus audio? I think what we've done all day, by the way, guys, is yes and, yes and, yes and, and now we're just, why? <laughs> a cow's life begins, like many of us, as an egg. <laughs> Squeezed out seemingly at random by the gentle grazer, the cow seems unbothered by its brown offspring. I, I had the murder wall, I was trying to figure it out, on my kitchen wall, with names, post-its, string, and the lot. Is that brother prick? I don't know how to do things with my mind. You've got to find a way to do this. I know it's inside you. You're a silver bow. Come give it to me, buddy boy. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. And as he approaches um, me, I'd like to twist his nipples. I can tell you for definite exactly where the inspiration for Nancy's came from. Go on. Keth will just swallow it all. <laughs> like a good and, boy. And if, he, if he does get so sliced by the glass, he'll just try and start it start out. It out like. yeah. Well, join the Royal Britannia Patreon. Available now.